Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to The Surge. It is great to uh, see you here this week. I hope it's okay if I sit down. Uh, last time I did this with a table and a chair, and it really enraged a few people. It made some people really angry, so I was going to try it again and see if it softened up a little bit. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so we are continuing our journey through uh, the book of James. And uh, before, before we get started, just uh, two uh, quick things. Um, one is, one of the things that we deeply believe in here at The Surge is kind of doing life together as a faith community. And one of our best opportunities to do that is in our small groups. And so there's information on the tables. If you're interested in that, we would love to talk to you about when those happen, the connections there. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me or to Emily um, or almost anybody here and they can get you pointed in the right direction. Um, but we would love to do that. It's an opportunity to spend some time together uh, on a regular basis, and it's just a very, very good thing. Uh, the other thing is, is this, uh, some news that's a bit sad. Uh, you may not be aware that Dwayne uh, Dara, our lead pastor, his father, passed away uh, yesterday about 8.30 a.m. Uh, that wasn't completely unexpected. He was in his 90s, um, had been having some health problems, but he did, in fact, uh, go to be with the Lord uh, yesterday morning. So Dwayne is traveling. If you would, just remember him in your prayers, and the next time you see him, give him a big hug and tell him that you, that you, uh, you love him. Uh, talking about mercy and having uh, Dwayne's father pass, it just reminded me of uh, my wife, Karen. Her, her father passed away a few years ago um, when Evangeline was about, gosh, three, maybe four years old. She was very young. Maybe even younger than that, maybe even two, but it was very young. Um, and during the funeral, it was a very cold morning. Um, and I remember Karen's brother is a guy named Tom, and he's like 6'8". He's just this giant of a guy. He's t just hugely tall. And, and he was sitting in the seats for the immediate family and just grieving as, as you would when your father passes away. And I remember, and I don't know, Evangeline's been this kid since she was born. I, I didn't do anything to deserve this. She popped up from where we were sitting and went to Tom and crawled up in his lap and just kind of snuggled up into his chest. And I'm telling you, it's like, it was God-breathed. It was comfort. It was mercy. And not to be too weird about it, I, I could not have done that. I, mean, I could not have crawled up into Tom's lap and, you know, snuggled up with, it just would have been weird. But she was able to do that and it was a real comfort and it was a real response to, no kidding, the Holy Spirit, um, even as a child. And when I think about mercy, I think about that picture of seeing someone hurting and going, what can I do? I can't do much, but I can do this. And just moving, <laughs> Regardless of, in the middle of the funeral ceremony, while they're doing the reading, while they're doing the graveside service, she didn't care. Tom was hurting and he needed a hug and she was going to go get that done. And I don't know, it's just a wonderful, wonderful picture of mercy and the heart of what we're talking about today. Uh, let's look at James chapter 2. Uh, this is verses 8 through 13. We've been stepping through James, and James is very much about the practicality of Christianity, but also with a real heart and authenticity of faith. And, and last week we talked about not showing favoritism, which in this area is kind of funny because it's all about the ambition, it's all about the status, it's all about the jobs and the connection and, and, and the, the people you know. There's just a lot of that in our, in our area, and James is saying, yeah, put that aside, it's really not very important. 
He says this in chapter 2, verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Now there's some really interesting things going on in this passage and it's, it's super simple, but it's super good if we can get it. And I, and I just want to start with this. Katya was very kind of, I know, it's like the poor college student gives me a dollar. So, <laughs> so I'm like, hey Katya, can I borrow a few dollars, for a few bucks while you're going to school? Uh, so anyway, this is, this is a dollar. This is legal tender. It's, it's a dollar. And, and it, I just want to ask you a question. Would you be willing to trade this dollar, this one, Katya's dollar, which I have bogarted from her, for $600,000? <laughs> you, you would be willing to trade. Like, no, you wouldn't. And neither, and neither would I. You would not trade this for a house in this area. You wouldn't trade this for, you know, 600 grand in cash. You just wouldn't, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't trade this for that. And that's actually what we're talking about today. And, and we'll get back to this in a minute. So in this passage, I want to look at three things in and three things out. And in James' reminder of where we came from and what this means for us, that's what's in and out for things in this passage that will absolutely set us free if we can see them and walk into them. So the first thing in is this. James reminds us, he reminds us that we are all guilty. We're all guilty. <laughs> um, have, did you ever, have you ever heard your own voice recorded and played back to you? Does it kind of freak you out because it sounds really terrible? <laughs> Do you know why that is? If you hear your own voice recorded and you listen and you go, ooh, yeah, that doesn't sound very good. Here's why. Whenever you speak or sing or yell or, you know, vocalize in some way, you actually are making sounds and vibrating the air and that comes around to your ears and you hear normally. But it also, because you're generating the sound, it also conducts through the resonance of your own skull and hits your eardrum from the inside as well from bone conduction. So you're getting it from the inside and from the outside. So whenever you speak or sing, you're hearing yourself in super quadraphonic sound. It sounds really good. It's full and rich and resonant. And when you hear a recording of yourself, it's taking a huge slice of the sonic away from you. And that's why it sounds so different and so bad to you. That's why it sounds so different. And here's the thing. <laughs> whenever we think about our lives and the things that we do or the things that we mess up on or the things that we fall short on, the reality is we're getting the inside and the outside when it comes to ourselves. I know my motives. I know I meant well. I know I didn't mean to screw it up. I know I didn't mean to forget about the thing that was important. I know I didn't mean, I, I had no bad motive even though I completely messed it up. And, and so I tend to cut myself a lot of slack and I give myself a lot of grace. It's easy for me to say, well, yeah, I messed up and I'm not trying to justify it. I messed up. But I, I didn't mean, you know, I meant, well, there's a story. There's a context. I was tired. My blood sugar was low. I'd had a bad day. There were lots of mitigating circumstances, right? And, and knowing the whole story, it allows me to sometimes give myself some grace. But when I see somebody else do a thing, 
I'm, I'm only getting part of the picture. I'm not getting the internal acoustics of the bone conduction. I just see what they do, the stupid thing they did. I'm going, that's stupid, you know, right? And so a lot of times we can judge people more harshly because we're only seeing a slice of the story instead of the whole picture. In both cases, it's wrong. It can be wrong. It can be a mess. It can be completely out of bounds. But the reality is James reminds us that everybody has the full story, right? Everybody has the whole thing, and everybody has fallen short. See, it, we, we get freaked out about the word sin in our culture, and I think part of that is because it's been used as a cudgel, part of that is it's been uh, ill-defined. In, in Scripture, the word sin, um, actually in Romans, it's, it's the word hamartia, and it's literally an archery term, right? And what it means, it means to take Take an arrow, loose the arrow, and to miss the bullseye. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, you know, you shot somebody and killed them. It means you missed the bullseye. You were trying for perfection, and you didn't hit it. Didn't get it. Might have gotten really close. Might have been a very fine shot. Might have been a good shot. Might have had a, a really nice pattern of, you know, goodness. Doesn't matter. If you didn't hit the bullseye, it's sin in this way, and we didn't, we didn't get it. So James is reminding us that if you didn't hit the bullseye, guess what? you didn't hit the bullseye. <laughs> and the thing is, is that when we have sin because of God and his nature and the holiness, we sin and it separates us from God. And that's the important piece of this. See, in our minds, we have, well, there's good sins and there's bad sins and there's sins that are kind of popular and there's sins that are kind of sexy and there's sins that, that are not talked about at all if we can help it. And the reality is all of them, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones that are kind of glamorous, the ones that get a lot of positive attention and, and encouragement and the ones that we just don't talk about, all of them, all of them separate us from God. All of them do. And so if we've broken the law, if we've sinned in any way, it separates us from God. And James reminds us that we're guilty. He reminds us, <laughs> if you show partiality, you're committing sin. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point is guilty of all of it, and we're separated. The second thing is this, going in. James reminds us that we're guilty, and he reminds us that we will face judgment. It says in verse 12, so speak and so act as those are who, who are to be judged. We do have a judgment day coming. Now, the good news is as Christians, this isn't a judgment of condemnation. It's not a judgment of eternal separation. But guess what? We're still going to give an account. <laughs> so take that seriously. It's an account of the times where we stepped into his grace, where we became God's hands and feet, where, where we, like Evangeline, got it right and went and comforted Tom, right? Where we did something to step into God's mercy in a situation. And there will perhaps be an account of sometimes when we did not do that when there was an opportunity that was missed, that we didn't step into when we could have. Um, I don't think this is something to be afraid of. I, I honestly don't. God loves us. <laughs> but I think it is something to consider with some weight. I suspect, how can I say it? It'll be much better and much worse than we could possibly imagine. <laughs> right, right. It's gonna, be, it's gonna be glory. It's gonna be no kidding. Wow. That small random act of kindness that I kind of threw out there, that like, oh yeah, it, it rippled out and had impacts way, way beyond my intention. And they're also going to be a real cost involved that my small mindedness, my selfishness, my uh, inattention perhaps had a greater cost than I realized for those around me and for myself. 
So James reminds us that we're guilty. He reminds us that we're guilty and we'll face judgment and we should be careful and we should think about this. And the third thing in is this. James reminds us that we're guilty. We will face judgment, but, but our judgment is under his mercy and grace. At the end of this passage, James, lead, James leads us to the idea that there is another law in play. It's not just the law of, of sin and breaking things, but it's, there's a law of liberty. So many people see Christianity, it's a list of rules, it's a list of regulations, it's don't touch, don't handle, don't do this, don't do that, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do, you've probably heard that one before. You know, it's this whole thing of don't, don't do these things, and it's, it's set to uh, make us miserable and, and cut off our fun, <laughs> right? That's, that's how a lot of people see Christianity. It's a bunch of ridiculous rules from the Bronze Age that's, you know, not a good thing. But the reality, the reality, when we understand the heart of the gospel, when we really get what Christ has done, we see that Christianity is a river of opportunity. It's a river of opportunity that flows with love, that sets us free from sin. It gives us the ability, the freedom, the ability to actually walk into the very steps of God, the very steps of God, where joy comes in the morning, where suffering is redeemed, where everything sad comes untrue, where forgiveness erases our shame and, and breaks things off of us. It, it comes to heal our brokenness. And love shows up in powerful, powerful ways when you need it most. That's the law of liberty and that's the law that we'll be judged under. And James is telling us what we've heard before. He's telling us what Michael told us told us in chapter 6 verse 8 that, that what we're supposed to do is we're to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. What Moses told us in Exodus 20 and the law following and you, when you really look at it, the law is about this. It's about following God closely and, and letting things be a blessing. It's what David told us in Psalm 51, right? Broken in sin with the whole mess with Bathsheba and the baby had died and yet he stands still somehow a child of God embracing God's mercy and says, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. It's what Jesus told us, right? Because of grace, we're judged under another, another law. This is very good news. So the three in is that we're all guilty. We're gonna face judgment, but it's a judgment under a law of grace and liberty that completely changes the game. So that's the end. The out is this. Uh, I, I want to do just a quick parable of, that, that Jesus gives us in Matthew that James is actually referring to in this passage pretty heavily. Uh, but it's, it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. And it goes like this. Let's just read this quickly in uh, Matthew 18. Uh, Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Oof. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. 
And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him and said the same thing, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. James says it in in verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. And we get the punchline of this, right? We, we, under, we understand what Jesus is saying, that God has forgiven us a lot. And if we're not willing to, to extend that forgiveness, to say that forgiveness, it actually puts us in jeopardy, right? If you're saying, no, I do not want forgiveness to be any part of my life, you know, boo forgiveness. <laughs> I, don't want any, I don't want any forgiveness. God is saying, really? You're, I, you know, you don't want, you don't want experience forgiveness Okay, you know, it's like you're kind of taking yourself out of the lane. Don't do that, right? James is saying, don't do that. Jesus is saying, don't, don't do that. And we get the point here, right? God's mercy to us, it changes the game in how we relate to other people. And in this time, it's interesting, the rabbis would teach that, you know what? If somebody wrongs you, you should, you should be magnanimous. You should forgive them three, up to three times, and then you can cut them off, right? Three, but three times. And so when Peter is coming to Jesus to ask, he's kind of up in the ante a little bit. It's like, okay, let's double it. Let's carry the one, seven. How about seven times? Instead of three, let's go big. Like, let's go big, seven times. And Jesus just immediately flips it on him, right? This isn't, this isn't a counting game. It's not a ledger. It's not, you know, this time and you're done. It's like, no, this is a path. This is a road. Stay in the lane of forgiveness and just keep on rolling, right? Stay there and just keep on going for the rest of your life. Forgiveness isn't a scorecard, it's a road. Stay on the road. So the first thing out of this passage that I wanna say is this. God's mercy, God's mercy is ridiculous, right? It's just ridiculous. And it is, I I wouldn't lie to you guys. Listen, I went to public school and, and I got an English degree from the University of Oklahoma. So I love mathematics. I love math. And so just as we get, get into this, I just want to, uh, to do a little bit of math related to this parable. And spoiler alert, uh, 10,000 talents is a bazillion dollars. It's a bazillion dollars, okay? So, so let's just uh, do some first century econ. Um, and just let me give you a little bit of information. Um, so I won't go in order, but just, this is here. Just let me talk through it. Uh, one denarii was roughly an average day's wages. So you'd work, a, you'd work a good shift, you'd get a denarii. There you go. And so 100 denarii is about 30% of an annual salary, right? Somewhere in that, in that neighborhood. Now one talent, 6,000 denarii, right? So if you, if, you do the, if you do the math, right? One a day, assume 300 work days a year, 6,000. That's 20 years of work to get one talent, one. Now you've got 900, you know, 9,999 to go. You're doing good. Um, If you actually worked that out, 10,000 talents would be 200,000 years of work, (laughs) right? So 200,000 years of of labor, giddy up, 1.6 million working hours, 
1.6 million working hour. Um, the national, just to put it in, in context, the national tax burden of Israel to the Romans annually at this time was 800 talents a year. The ratio of the king's debt with his servant and the servant's debt to the other servant, 600,000 to one. 600,000 to one. Don't make the trade. Okay. So in transition to today's numbers, for an American, just to put it in, in, in a perspective that we can kind of chew on a little bit, 100 denarii in this area, average household income is a little north of 100 grand, which is crazy, but that's where it is in this, in this area. So a third of, of that would be about 30,000 in Nova dollars. It's not the end of the world, but it's a significant sum, right? It's a nice car. It's a, it's a down payment on something or other. And our national tax revenue, now we're a little bigger than Israel was in the first century, granted. Uh, but our, our annual tax revenue that we pay to the Romans is about $3.9 trillion, right, right around there. So if you bounce that up to the 10,000 talent range, it would be a personal debt that you owe the king or God of $48.75 trillion, trillion with a T, right? And so God's response to this is like you owe $48 trillion, almost 49, the, the vig is running, you know, uh, God's response to this is mercy. His response is, man, yeah, I, I, see, you're, I see you're hurting. I see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that off and I'm gonna forgive the debt. Why? Because God's mercy is ridiculous, right? It's just ridiculous. And, and here's the thing. Because God's mercy is ridiculous, the second thing out of this is our mercy should be ridiculous too. Now, I'll tell you a story, uh, the story of the spitting lemur. Now, just full disclosure, this is actually, it was actually a cat story, a house cat story, but I changed it to be merciful to the people who actually own cats in the room because I, I don't want to be mean, so happy Thanksgiving. Uh, but so there, there was a guy who, his wife had a spitting lemur and, and it, was, it was terrible. He hated the spitting lemur. He hated it. He did not like it. So don't, don't insert cat in your mind. Spitting lemur, spitting lemur. He, he, uh, he hated the spitting lemur. Every time he would leave, the spitting lemur would like cough up something nasty. on It would, it would claw his drapes with its spitting lemur claws. It, it would do just all kinds of nasty things. And the cat... I'm sorry, the spitting lemur just hated him, hated him. So it would just do like little mean things. It almost seemed intentional <laughs> to make the guy a little crazy and he hated the spitting lemur. Uh, the spitting lemur's name was little Reggie, but he, he hated little Reggie, hated him. Um, well, the wife went away on an extended business trip and, and I, don't recommend, I don't recommend this. I'm not actually advocating any kind of cruelty to animals, especially lemurs, uh, but the dude was all done. He murdered the spitting lemur. He just killed, he killed it. He straight up killed it. He put it in a bag. He went to a bridge, dropped it off the bridge. The spitting lemur is gone. It's just gone. And so his wife gets back and he says, oh honey, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I must've left the door open. The window may have been left ajar. I think the spitting lemur escaped. I think it ran away. Um, but you know what? I understand that you love the spitting lemur. So we will post a reward. And so he made up posters and had a little picture of little Reggie, the spitting lemur, and he, he offered $5,000 and he put it up on, on telephone poles and in public places and at the Starbucks and he put it out there and, and nobody called. And he said, you know what? I, I, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't really like the spitting lemur, but I know that you love the spitting lemur. 
I'm going to up the reward to $10,000. If someone can return little Reggie to his rightful home, 10 grand for the return of the spinning lemur. And no, nobody really called and it was, it was very sad. And one of his friends was asking about this. Dude, you hate, this, you hate little Reggie. You hate the spitting lemur. Why are you offering 10 grand for its return? Why? And he said, well, when you know what I know, you can afford to be generous. <laughs> so, it's like, so it's like, yes, <laughs> right? And, and, and turning that, when you know what we know about the gospel, about forgiveness, about the ridiculous mercy of God, we too can afford to be generous. In the light of God's love for us, it's easier for us to make the leap. So the third thing out is this, and this is where we'll wrap it. Our mercy can be ridiculous. It can be because God lets us use his account. We're not on our own on this thing. It's not all up to us. Now, imagine that, that uh, you met, you know, you were single and you met a billionaire and they're handsome or beautiful and they're wonderful and they really like you and you decide to get married and you get married and then all of a sudden you have access to these incredible resources. Now, did you do anything to earn access to this? No, it just kind of came with the show. It came with the relationship. In that same sort of way, when we become a Christian, we gain access to a whole lot of stuff that God can benefit us related to mercy, related to love, related to uh, things that we can forgive. And this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Because imagine the truly bad thing. The truly bad thing. And even in a room this size, there are some truly bad things that have happened to us. Um, the deep wounding that someone has done to you. I'm talking the real stuff, right? The stuff that we don't like to talk about. The child that was sexually molested. The, the promise of till death do us part, but, you know, she said that, made a vow before God and witnesses, but what she really meant was till I get tired of your crap, <laughs> right? And then I'm going to bail or until something better comes along and then I'm out and then someone is abandoned. Uh, so what I want to do right now is, is I actually want you to, if, if you're willing, uh, just close your eyes for a second. And I don't want you to actually write this down, but kind of on the tablet of your mind, right? I want you to remember, take a moment, and I want you to remember the deepest wounding of your life, where someone really hurt you, where someone left you, where someone stole something from you. And it may be something that you've forgiven. There may be something that's just really eating you now, you may have forgiven them. You may have let that go. You may have brought it to a good, healthy resolution. That's good. But sometimes, even so, we have to forgive again. <laughs> um, if you haven't forgiven or you hadn't found a way to let that go, you haven't found a way to move fully on from the thing that you're considering, I have some really good news for you. You might feel like you can't let this go. You might feel like that the cost is just too high and you can't pay it. And here's the thing. You might be right about that, but you don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to do this on your own. What Christ did on the cross, he did for you, but he also did it for everyone you know. And the cost of the wrong done to you was paid for completely on the cross. 
You can give that hurt. You can give that debt to God. You can let him pay it. You don't have to carry it anymore. We don't see it but unforgiveness. It hurts. It hurts us. It drags us down. It becomes a weight. It becomes like heavy chains that drag, that hinder us every single step of the way. And part of what Jesus did when he came as a man and died on the cross was he came to break those chains. He came to pay that debt in full to release the person that wronged you and to set you free from the pain of being wronged. He's already paid it. You don't have to. You can let it go. So I want you to imagine that hurt or that wounding has changed and I want you to imagine the change just falling away in the mercy of God and let God have it. Right now, make a decision. Let it go. Give it to God. Say in your heart, in the power of the name of Jesus, in the power of the cross, I release it. I release this wounding. I release this debt to God. I give it fully to him. If you're not already there, go ahead and open your eyes and thank you for a moment. Somebody here that probably needed that. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Let it out. Breathe. It's okay. Listen, would you trade a dollar for $600,000? Sometimes this dollar can weigh about a thousand pounds, <laughs> right? It's all the more reason to let it go. Don't do it. It's a bad trade. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Our new law of liberty, it's full of healing. It's full of freedom. And uh, we are talking about mercy today. So we're going to do one last song. Uh, band, go ahead and, and come up. Um, we're going to take communion. Uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to take communion. And then we'll do one last song kind of as our benediction. Uh, but if you would, pray with me. Father, I just thank you for your amazing forgiveness. For the